Steve Witch, Tough Vulture Road. You're listening to the Radio Rebel Lunak podcast with me, Danny Coffey. Throughout Irish history, organised groups have taken on landlordism, whether it was back in the 19th century with the Land League through to the 1960s with the various housing action committees, whether in Dublin or Derry. However, today I'm going to be talking to Richard Mitchell, otherwise known as Mitch. Mitch is a spokesperson with the Community Action Union, otherwise known as CAFU. Welcome to the podcast, Mitch. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I suppose better start at the beginning. Catu kind of came to my uh, attention about a year ago, I would say. Um, how did it come about? How did it form? How did it, how did it get off the ground? Or what was the, the idea oh, behind well, it? Of course. Well, it actually formed uh, just over a year ago now. Probably would have come to your attention back then. The idea behind it was pretty straightforward. Essentially, that people should be able to take a direct approach in taking action against landlords and aggressive uh, housing developers or letting agencies. People who sort of started it, our first national council, uh, saw a need for that sort of action here in Ireland. They've been inspired by groups like ACORN in the UK and uh, groups in America who have shown that action community-focused unions like ours can be really effective at combating landlords and combating landlordism. Um, so it formed by people right here in Dublin, uh, in the community, seeing a need for something like it, um, and deciding to come together and form the union. Um, we officially formed just over a year ago. Uh, since then, we've had over 800 people join us from across the island, not just in Dublin. We have local branches, city-wide branches, where we don't have quite enough members to form individual district areas. Um, yeah, that's how we kind of came together. What type of cases are you seeing people that are joining? What what type of people are, are coming to you? What situations are they in? It's a broad union where you can be actually a, have a mortgage so long as you're not making money off of, you're not a landlord yourself. Uh, what type of people are, are joining and what type of cases are you coming across across the country? So um, we're getting stories that I'm sure are very common to a lot of people. Uh, we have people join us who've had their rents increase in ridiculous levels uh, with no noticeable change in their quality or standard of uh, apartment or living space. A very common one is landlords trying to withhold deposits at the end of a tenancy. We've had a few cases now where we've had to take direct action against landlords uh, on behalf of our members to, in order to make sure they get those deposits back. Uh, we also have people join us who are seeing things happening in their communities that uh, they don't want to be happening, like uh, lots of uh, new co-living development that are being trying to be pushed through in Dublin, which people see kind of coming forward and see these aren't solutions to the housing crisis that we need to be seeing. So they join us to try and do something directly against that sort of thing. Yeah, I seen yesterday in some part of Dublin there they they put up a Catu put up a structure about the size of the co living. What is it, twelve twelve square meters or something like that, for people to go into just to see what it's like to live in one of those co living spots. Where was where mm-hmm. was that? That mm-hmm. was what part of Dublin was it? So that was on the Royal Canal. It was our Fibsborough Fibsborough Glasnevin branch who put that together. They've really been taking the lead on a. Our actions against direct um, against co-living, and the whole point was to show people exactly what people would be expected to live with in the kind of the situation that is supposedly 
appropriate for, as a housing solution. And these spaces are tiny. They're not even private. You have to share a kitchen. You sometimes have to share bathroom facilities. And they expect them to be short-term leases. And they're clearly just an effort to cram as much profit out of a single place. They're not the affordable solution that families and communities need. When I was looking at the structure, I'd seen it on social media, it looked like a small container, a small shipping container. Exactly. That's it. That's your lot for, for space. When you say, just going back there, when you say uh, direct action, what do you mean by direct action? What would Katu be doing? Say, for instance, if a landlord was holding a deposit, uh, illegal evictions would be another one, I suppose. What, what actions can a, a union take in those circumstances? Um, so, of course, a recent case we had was actually uh, withholding a deposit. Direct actions we've taken in the past like that have been pickets of the landlord these have been done entirely online <laughs> because of uh, the current situation with the pandemic it's been difficult to do a public demonstration which is why social media has been a real gift but the way these online pickets work is essentially if the landlord refuses to in good faith come to a discussion or come to a negotiation with us then we begin essentially jamming their phone line jamming their email with 800 members you can call upon even if every member only calls once a day for a week, that's still going to take up so much of their time as we're going to phone them up and remind them very politely, right. but remind them that uh, okay. they are illegally holding money that's not theirs. And we essentially, um, obviously, that's not the only action we can take. And a very important part of Kartu, I think I need to stress this nice and early in this conversation, is that we are entirely member led. We're a direct democracy that is at the heart of our union. So when it comes to actions and direct actions, we only ever do what a member is comfortable or wants to see happen. Uh, for example, a member in my local branch recently was having some issues with her landlord that led to her moving out. And uh, the only action she actually wanted support for was to have some backup while she was leaving on her last day to make sure her landlord didn't harass her, didn't cause trouble, didn't call the cops or all this stuff he was sort of threatening. And it was just really important for her to have some people who had her back because she was in a vulnerable right. situation and didn't want to be there on her own. So it can be anything from just a helping hand to all the way to, at the moment, we have another group who are being harassed by their letting agency very aggressively. So we have been publicly shaming that agency on their Facebook. Uh, we're putting out videos from our affected members describing their actions and calling for more stories from the public, other people who might have been affected. There's a great number of things we can do, even under pandemic. But again, it all depends on what the affected members want us to be doing. It's never a case that we will dictate as a national union, this is what we're doing. You have to do this. You have to follow this path because that's not how we want to be. We want to be driven by member decisions, driven in a very democratic process. That's going to be what we focus on going forward. Do you do stuff with courts and that that type of um, stuff as well? You know, where there's kind of a legal proceedings with with it as well, or anything along them lines at all? No, we've not had call to uh, just yet. We have had some threats of legal action, um, and there are certainly some members who have had difficulties with the RTV, the Residential Tenancy Board, um, who are supposedly sort of the arbitrators 
in these matters from a legal standpoint, but all too often are um, very blatantly on landlord's side, I would say. So we haven't had call to. It's something we'd like to be able to. It's something we have to be able to be, be very aware of our capacity in regards to the law because we don't have any uh, lawyers on our team yet. We are actually in the process of setting up a specific legal fund and legal team uh, on a national level. At the moment, it's something under discussion. So it's something we all hope to be able to help with in future, but it's not something we've had call to specifically help out with yet. Although it doesn't usually get with renting, it doesn't usually get to the court. It's kind of, um, you know, it's all the, all the balls are in the landlord's court and, uh, you know, there is really no legal recourse to it. Um, well, exactly. That's sort of the problem. We tend to avoid and we'll have often, I myself have uh, given this advice to a, to a member, the, in, member in the past, um, not as a, not actually as a member of CARTU, which actually is just a, as a, as a friend. Um, but I, I pointed out that often, often, as you said, the, the law is in favor of the landlord or heavily weighted towards them. They have an entire legal system that has been built around backing them up and having a lobbying wing. So we do our best to avoid going, I would say, uh, to the legal uh, courts, unless we can absolutely prove without shadow of a doubt, I would say, um, that the landlord is in the wrong. We'd much rather deal with them directly and find uh, a solution or an answer uh, with them directly. Yeah, it's very... Not even working with them, force them, force them to work <laughs> well, with that's, them. That's the, that's the way to do it. I mean, there's all of these these groups, I've been kind of following the um, housing groups since, uh, I, I suppose, a good while, but you have a lot of these, um, well, you had that land league, the, the modern land league with Jerry Beads, who was a mate of uh, Bertie O'Hearn, who was outside a, a mansion in, in um, Kalini or one of those places, uh, defending some fella that uh, just ran into trouble, you know, with owed, owed the banks millions and that. And then you have these very small little groups with good intentions, but I don't see, um, they don't seem to be getting any traction because they're too small. Uh, are you getting people that are in, in these housing groups, small housing groups joining Katu? It, in mass, because it seems to me that would be the an organisation that has uh, membership. It's membership led. It's um, you know it has dues that that you and it's um, it's the first organisation I've come across that I've thought well this will work like this this can work rather than the likes of uh, these small little group as they are well intentioned but. Um, you know, you you get a lot of these people that are coming in with uh, these kind of pseudo legal stuff that really doesn't work, uh, and that as well. But are you getting any smaller groups jo joining joining in mass across the, the 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 country, or is it just individuals coming to in behind Katu? Uh, so so far, for the most part, it's been individuals uh, joining us. That here in Dublin, there are quite a there are a couple of uh, smaller housing groups that have already existed before us, and our goal has never been that we're going to kind of subsume these groups or that they haven't performed value valuable services for their community. Like far from it. Our goal really is to work with them if they uh, if they continue to exist rather than kind of fold them in. If their members want to join us as well, we'd be happy to have them. Um, it's true what you say, though. Um, a lot of smaller groups have this problem of not being effective just because they don't have the numbers. 
What's kind of interesting, though, is the cartoon model in many ways is lots of those small groups are working under one umbrella because each local branch, uh, because of our democratic approach, operates not independently, but focusing on specific issues and members in their area. So while a member could call upon the full 800 membership for a, a phone picketing or something like that, each branch may well be focusing on a specific issue uh, to their area. For example, that Fibs, Fibs Nevin, the Fibsbury Glass Nevin protest you mentioned with the constructing the co-living apartment on the riverside apartment, I say in heavy quotation marks, <laughs> that mm. was um, especially important to them because a local landmark in their area is under threat of being converted into one of these co-living properties. They have a they actually have a petition running at the moment to try and get as many public voices and voices in their community who didn't even know it was happening. A lot of people in their area didn't know it was happening until it was brought to their attention by Kartu. And they object to it. They don't want it there. But thanks to Kartu, now they know it's happening. And they, they know can come together to try and get it to stop. But this is what I mean. Like, There's nothing wrong with a small group model so long as those small groups effectively use their power within their areas, because if you can get those wins in your local area, then you can get more people in that small... For example, if you got 70% of one apartment block on your side, you could pull off a rent strike, you could pull off any number of more powerful actions against a cruel landlord than if you had 800 members all spread across the country but who aren't engaged, if that makes sense. So... We're very much about giving those small groups access to a wider community who can support them while still operating very much kind of like focused on issues in their area and focused on specific community uh, issues they want to see addressed and changed. Yeah, the housing situation is quite different. I was just looking at the statistics there the other day. Most of the, the people that are presented homeless are in Dublin, there's about 60% of them, but spread out across the rest of the country, there's the other 40%. Um, but it's still, though, growing up here uh, in the west of Ireland, homelessness was something that was, um, it, was on, it was on television, or there was uh, older men with alcohol problems that lived, uh, that drank on uh, Air Square at the time in Galway. That was the homeless. There was no families, there was no um, you just didn't see people. There was always somewhere for them to live. But also in the West of Ireland, we have um, a, a hidden homelessness here, there, where you have a lot of people that are couch surfing. You have a lot of people that are um, would be staying with their parents, you know, they're, and they're like in their 30s or 40s or that. I just can't uh, get out. Um, I used to come across those people joining Catu uh, as well uh, across the country. Well, we're definitely seeing the the issue on the rise. It's something we've been aware of since before we started. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's possible to live in Ireland and not see some of the housing crisis these days. It's starting to spread everywhere. While we haven't, as far as to my knowledge, uh, had someone who is specifically homeless join us, it's obviously something we'd uh, be ready to support that person and help out that person. Here in Dublin, just like you were saying, in the West Country, they are. Uh, invisible homeless people who are kind of couch surfing or li even living in cars sometimes uh living in hotels are um have been on the rise for years and it's 
something we'd love to be able to support and something we're ready to ready to support with. Obviously, those big structural changes, those things that need a huge uh, shift on a political sphere to properly be addressed, is something that is a more long-term goal for us. We want to see f- large-scale housing reform. That's definitely a long-term goal for us. But we also have to be realistic of what you can achieve with 800 members at the moment. We want to see that growing. We want to constantly be building, but we also are not going to solve homelessness overnight, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, while on the other hand, as a community, t- as a community union in those sort of situations, our focus would be on, okay, how can we help this person right now? Can we get them somewhere c- to crash in the meantime? Can we find them? Is, um, is there a local member who has a couch where they can crash? Can we as a local community find listings where they might be able to help them out, help them get back on their feet, be there for each other in a way that's not just uh, harassing landlords, as I've talked about, not just um, fighting for deposits coming back, but also it's also about bringing you together as a community. So in those situations, if a member of the community is facing those difficulties, you know that there are people who can help you out in that situation. Yeah, I like the, the harassing landlords bit, anyways. But uh, and it's great to have the have the uh, the support of people behind you. I was just reading an article there. It's on the um, the Times. There, Owen Burke Kennedy or Owen Kennedy Burke, should I say? Uh, Rebuilding Ireland promised one hundred and fifty thousand homes. This was over a five year period and one year to go, and they've already built uh, eighty three thousand homes. Eighty three. 1,913 homes. There's a year to go. They're not going to meet that target. But what I find awfully strange, I, I was reading another article there uh, in Sligo, their um, independent socialist uh, councillor Declan Bree put at an article in the Sligo Champion. And they're in Sligo, which is a population of about 60,000 people, there's 4,000 empty homes. His whole thing will take compulsory purchase order on these properties, um, but the council there was it, the Fianna Foyle and uh, Fianna Gael councillors were obviously up in arms about this. And uh, but four thousand homes, sixty thousand people live in in uh, in Sligo, in and that's in the the town in the greater area of, of the town in the county. I, I'm not too sure. I think it's up over a hundred thousand people, anyways. But there's so many empty homes. The supply is there of of homes. Uh, oh yeah, um, has you could home every person in this country. Yeah, easily without um, you know, and have some left over, but they still want to build ho- yeah. homes, and this is the, the 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 crux of the issue. But until obviously until we get a, a government in there with some morals and um, a left leftish government that wants to house people. I was reading also there during the week squat over in uh, Athens. I forget the name of it, uh, but it's run by some anarchists, and they've been around for years. They are. It, it's in in Athens. It it kind of really took off again during 2013 when they were kind of going through the uh, bailout process. And uh, but they they've, they're housing refugees there. There and it's you know really artistically done, nice nice uh, paintwork and and that. Have Katu thought about taking over buildings like the like Take Back the City done there in 2018 about going in that direction at all? It's a kind of action we'd absolutely be open to. It's something we'd love to uh, take part in and kind of show these options. I think it's a really 
it's a really visible way to demonstrate how ridiculous it is that these houses sit empty. Um, it's part of our be, us being member-led that obviously it depends on what our membership wants to see happen. Um, I would say we recently had an AGM, um, our first annual general meeting, where we had a national council elected and also had a huge election as to what membership policies want to see put forward. And there's definitely a, a left-wing a very strong push for a left-wing approach. We are officially, as voted by membership, um, anti-capitalist and abolitionist. So there is that radical uh, left-wing voice that wants to be heard that is really kind of uh, the driving force of our membership at the moment. So I would say it's the kind of action we'd absolutely be open to if it's something our members want to see happen. Yeah, I was just wondering about the laws here in Ireland with regard squatting. I remember th- there was a couple of squats uh, th- around the country. I think it was uh, up in Dublin, Grange Gorman. Um, but it's not something that happens in Ireland all, all that often. Um, it's not something that you would see rather in the likes of um, London or over in England. You would see it a, a bit more and in, in Greece uh, and, and on the continent and that. But I'm I'm wondering with the laws in Ireland. Did you know anything about the the laws with regard squatting or? Uh, off the top of my head, unfortunately, I don't know the specific laws. Um, as far as I know, it is there. Are the the legality of it is dependent on a great number of factors. Um, though again, this would be in a situation like this. I think this is one of those moments where the legality of your action. Doesn't necessarily shouldn't necessarily be the uh, yeah absolutely the deciding factor as to whether or not it happens. Like I would say that that would be a secondary concern for a lot of our members. Um, I don't want to speak for everyone. I know myself; it'd be a secondary concern. But yeah, as the exact laws, I couldn't say off the top of my head here. But yeah. I know that it would be something to be open to. I think it's interesting what you say about you not seeing it much in Ireland because obviously, like there was the. The Take Back the City protest recently, which was a couple of years back now, but still in the recent past, that kind of, I think, showed that I think in Ireland there is a voice. I, I, the last election demonstrated that there is a strong public desire for more left-wing policies and a more, more aggressive left-wing approach to actually making these changes and not just saying, oh, in 10 years' time we'll do X, Y, Z, and in 10 years' time we'll improve transport, in 10 years' time we'll build more homes. There's this, been this constant push in Irish politics, and I know someone with this accent talking about the problems of Irish politics is maybe not uh, what people want to be hearing. Um, well, I was born in Australia but, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, the, the, you know, with immigration and that, like you know, I, I yeah, with this people actually, I have two brothers that have Australian accents, like, and people go, that's they look like me, but they've Australian accents, and you're kind of going like, what? How does that happen? But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I only I only came home uh, what seven years ago now, so I'm still shaking this one off. Um, but they um, there's been this kind of ongoing trend of we'll leave it for the next government. We'll leave it like we'll we'll put in we'll put a time frame on it that means we don't have to do it. You know, all we've done is make make the promise, and I think people are getting increasingly tired of people just making the promises and not doing anything about it. But then you also have this huge problem of people feeling like they can't do anything about it or that if they do, that the repercussions aren't worth doing it, which is why it's so important to have something like Cartu, because the whole point is empowerment. The whole point is there's so much more of us than there are of the people who want to put us down, the landlords, 
we outnumber them, the government, we can force them if we work together. If we can show that we will not stand for a lack of change, if we, we will not just take what we are given, I think we can do incredible things. And I think that's kind of what people are starting to see, especially with these actions across Europe, across the continent, uh, really taking off and becoming more visible. And just public outcry against things like police brutality, against housing crises across Europe. I think it's just, it's becoming impossible for people to just ignore or just kind of say, well, it's not affecting me because it is affecting them now. And that's unfortunate, but that's kind of, I think is going to push us like Kartu to higher membership, higher engagement, and hopefully being able to help more people. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are really kind of gone, well, look at politically, this isn't going to change. Uh, we might in three years time, there'll be another election. I think this government will go out the full course, uh, and people will be relying on, um, a Sinn Fein or a left government of, of some, some shape or form to change this. But the thing with capitalism too, you also have, um, that these downturns in the, in the will will you have recovered from COVID by the time uh, this left government is in? Will they have the money? And you have, you're you're inhibited mm-hmm. by all of these uh, these externalities, as they call them. Um, that a left government, you might get in, they might say a lot a lot of things, but will they be able to uh, do it? You can be damn sure Fianna Gael, Fianna Foyle, and uh, the the right won't do anything. For instance, if Corbyn had got in in uh, in in England or in Britain, would have he been able to roll out his manifesto when he was in the EU? Uh, that would have been, you know, you mm-hmm. couldn't actually privatize or, or take into public ownership a lot of stuff because of uh, the various treaties. But just with, with Cato, is there grown across the country as well? You've um, you've branches set up in in is it Wexford? Uh, Wexford, Galway, Cork, isn't it, as well, across the country. Mm-hmm. Are you finding, when you listen to, to people outside of Dublin, are you finding a difference in the uh, the, the type of um, scenarios that they're coming across? Uh, is there a difference between Dublin and, well, obviously, there, there would be with the, the, the scale of the rent and what it is, but would there be the same problems across the board, or are there different, uh, is, is it different outside of Dublin? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a variety. Um, obviously, there are some things we all share. Uh, rising house prices have affected everyone, rising rental prices. But there's no denying that especially more rural areas have been hugely affected by just cuts to rural services. The The more the government seems to be focusing on large cities, the more Middle Ireland and rural Ireland is being left behind almost. Um, and that's something we've been definitely hearing and something we want to support more things like the closing of the post offices across Ireland just last year things like countless communities where they where there are no services or or no investment from any kind of national body no support there or whatever support there is it's encouraging people in like the tech sector who've already had countless um <laughs> yeah countless amenities or people who are already doing well in Irish society are being encouraged to move out to these places but that's not a sustainable option all that is is moving the problem of housing prices out of the city all it really is is like you mentioned capitalism it is just a new market to be exploited 
So the real problem we're seeing in these areas is a lack of support for these communities from any kind of national body and a feeling like they can't do anything about it themselves. It's something we want to expand more into. We don't have many members in the more rural areas. And a goal for this year for us is to find those members and to hear those voices because we actually face the same threat as the government are doing if we don't hear those voices. It can be incredibly easy for an organization like Kartu to become insular, to only listen to certain communities, to only listen to the places with the most population. And obviously, that's not what we are about. We want to hear the whole of Ireland. We want membership from across Ireland. We want to be able to unite and support those communities. So something we're really encouraging, actually, this year is to try and reach out and to have members from those communities who can bring those issues to us so we can hear those voices and respond to them. Yeah, brilliant. Um, just on that, during the, it was about, I think it was just this week, and it was earlier this week, the um, government brought out our rural future. Uh, well, it's Fine Gael and Fianna Foyle's rural f- future. And basically, I went down through it. I read it. It was 128 pages. I went down to it, but it was nicely kind of um, set out, laid out nice. And um, I looked down through it, and there is a, a paragraph on, two paragraphs that, with one, you could kind of, say that's a bit slightly that's about housing but there's one definite paragraph on housing and i actually have it here in front of me and um, it's on on page 50 53 here it goes uh as part of the town center first approach provide seed capital to local authorities to provide service sites at cost price in towns and villages to allow individuals and families to build homes in rural centers now what that is right is uh the developer gets a site at cost uh, with, you know, he doesn't have to put electricity in or he doesn't have to put water in. Developer gets the mm-hmm. site at, at cost price. What it's all about is bringing down, as you say, it's, it's bringing down people from the, the Googles and look, good luck to them. You know, uh, it's a nice part of the world. Uh, Mayo, it's got lovely mountains and, 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 uh, and, and beaches and stuff like that. But the one thing we do have in uh, Mayo is that it's slightly cheaper to live here. We got no services, but it's slightly mm-hmm. cheaper to live here. But now uh, we're going to have better internet, apparently. Uh, the rent is going to go sky high as it's well. It's going to rocket. Rocket. And then you're going to have also um, the house prices for any young person there. I just re- read that bit of uh, Owen Burke Kennedy's piece in The Times, and he was saying from 10 years ago, you are people, young people between 24 to 35 are 50% less likely to own their own home now than they were 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. with this coming mm-hmm. now, our rural Ireland document, you're now in the, in the scenario where, um, you're going to have sky high, uh, rents and sky high, uh, so people in, in rural Ireland are just going to be like people in Dublin. And I, I can't see pro- house prices going down in Dublin or rents going down at all under under the current um, current government. But that's the plan. That's their plan for rural Ireland. Uh, and, and we have we already have here in uh, Mayo. Uh, it's consistently homeless people that present homeless to the, to the Mayo County Council. It's about forty five people every month, and these some some of them you know obviously find accommodation, but it, it consistently it's in around forty five people. Galway's between 200 and 300 people, depending on. But 
there's no other part of the document and the whole, because I, I looked down through it for housing. Uh, broadband, yes, we want good broadband. That's great. We'll take that. But what good is broadband is to you if you're living in your car? You know, that's yeah. the that's the thing. But it's no, go on. Yeah, but um, no, you. I'll, I'll let you off on that one anyway. <laughs> I've rambled on for I, too long. I was long. just going to say, I was just going to say that it's so telling that they specifically mention that they specifically mention selling to developers because all that tells me is it's not going to be houses that are built. It's not going to be homes that are built. It's going to be apartments that they can either luxury they can sell for insane amounts of money to this new market of uh, richer upper upper middle income people or it's going to be properties that they can turn into rental properties and you're just going to get yet more landlord barons coming in the same way you've seen in dublin where whenever whenever there is space allocated for property developers it is inevitably the luxury properties because that's all that it's the self-defeating market of that's all that sells because that's all they build <laughs> or it's lots of cheap rental accommodation that they can build for the cheap and then charge thousands for on the month and they make their money back in a year and then it's pure profit and then they're just going to recreate that wholesale in the countryside. Yeah, that's what's coming down the line. Anyways, see, the thing is, too, with them 128-page docu- documents, it's it's like people with no social life like me that, that read those things and people listen to the, the Alan Dillon's the local Fine Gael TD about how great this is going to be for Mayo. I think there's a, a failure on the behalf of the media to look at these and how to analyse how this is course of action, how it's going to turn out. But anyways, we're kind of coming to the end here. Anyways, um, to get involved with Katu, I presume you've website and uh, you still have a website. Sure, I was on it the other day. But to get involved, just um, go to the website, is it? Yes, of course. If you're interested in getting involved with Katu, joining up, if you go to www.katuisland.org and then there's a tab right on the top that says join. Uh, you'll be asked to, we are run, we are funded, uh, by member dues, um, but you can give as little as five euros a month if that's all you can afford, uh, all the way up to, um, I think at this point, yeah, all the way up to 20 euros a month if you want to. We generally ask, um, for about an hour's pay a month if, if you are working, if you're being paid. Obviously, a load of people are in really difficult situations right now. We completely understand. I had to step up down my own donation. Once lockdown started, because I couldn't keep up what I had been playing. Uh, but yeah, we have local branches in Dublin, Galway, Cork, and Belfast now, and we're expanding across the country. Um, so once you've uh, once you've joined through the website and uh, given your home address, someone from the national uh, council will be in contact with you from our membership team. They'll confirm that we have your details right, and then they'll put you in touch with your nearest local branch. At the moment, I think Cork just has the one, as long, uh, Cork and Galway just have the one branch, but we're getting enough members there that we're going to be able to focus in on smaller spaces. While uh, Dublin, we have a lot more uh, individual groups. But yeah, you'll be put in contact with those groups. And uh, from there, it's up to you. There'll be, there's events happening all the time, even under lockdown, just 
uh, in the past couple of weeks, my own area has had two uh, postering actions as well as some online socials. There's loads of stuff to get involved with all across the country, and we would love to have you. Brilliant, Mitch. Thanks very much for that, anyway. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Well, that's it from us. There's a link to join Katu in the description, which I suggest you do. If you want to get in contact with us, it's radio.rebelunok at gmail.com. Denise O'Toole produced Tolga Buggy Slunga Foil.